Yo, 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 Ringer FC World Cup Edition. One semifinal is over. We have our first finalist. What's up, Brian O'Hanlon? What's up, Micah Peters? What's going down? Allez, le bleu. <laughs> I've been French my whole life since <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> we are about to discuss France's 1-0 victory over Belgium in St. Petersburg. Later on, we're going to break down the huge transfer news regarding, without a doubt, inarguably, the world's best player. Coincidentally announced today. <laughs> Coincidentally announced today. <laughs> and then we're going to preview tomorrow's Croatia-England semifinal. But first, we have to talk about the match we just watched. As I said, France defeated Belgium 1-0. The match started like it was going to be a classic, but it wasn't quite one. All of that offensive firepower on both sides. And the only goal came from, surprise, a set piece. Where should we begin, boys? We have Olivier Giroud messing up a plethora of chances. <laughs> Specifically one that I'm, that I'm particularly upset about. It happened in the 57th minute, and I've, I remember I, because I was standing down, up on top of the coffee table <laughs> trying yeah, to yell about it. broke the TV. Um, Kylian Mbappe back to goal. Uh, just kind of rolls it and heals it directly into the path of Olivier Giroud, who then duffs it. I mean, do you fight your teammate after ruining something so pretty? Can or? I say something in Ali's defense? <laughs> that shot was actually blocked, I believe, by Musa Dembele. Yeah, so he didn't exactly just shank it or duff it. It was blocked. Right, but he's... Yeah, you know, okay, fine. It wasn't a shot on target. He still he still doesn't have one, and he only had six games to, to get one. <laughs> we can talk about Mbappe's perpetual threat, all his backheel dinking, Umtiti's, Samuel Umtiti's beautiful header, 51st minute off the set piece. Hugo Lloris, another couple super clutch saves. Paul Pogba doing Paul Pogba things. Ryan, what's the thing that stood out to you today from France's performance? Uh, just how dominant their defense is. They gave up nine shots um, over the course of 90 minutes to a team that was averaging close to 18 shots per game. Um, and especially after especially after they scored, um, Belgium didn't really create much. After the goal, it was France had six shots, two on target. Belgium had five, two on target. And it was impressive for me to see France be a have a and what in my mind was a dominant defensive performance and also create 19 chances on the other end for themselves, which is something we just haven't seen them do this tournament yet. Yeah, we were talking about it yesterday, and I was a little skeptical that because France had yet to play a team as, I guess, offensively talented as Belgium. But after Umtiti scored that header in the 51st minute, Ryan said, literally, that's game. <laughs> I, said, no, I said, no way that's game. But in the, in the last 40 minutes, Belgium pressed and pressed and sent a lot of crosses into the box. But they, you know... The really the only clear cut chance I could say was Fellaini's header that went wide. I guess around I don't know seventieth minute or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, just compare it to the Brazil Belgium game when Brazil was down a goal. It was not anything like that. It wasn't a constant barrage of chances. It was France kind of holding them at arm's length. It felt like to me. Well, to quote Ryan again, you said Belgium's performance was limp as fuck. So. <laughs> Who do we blame for such a limpest fuck performance? Is it the way that Martinez had them set up? Dembele, of course, came in for Mounier, and, and Belgium played for most of the match with a three-man, essentially a three-man midfield of defensive midfielders with Witzel and Fellaini. Uh, Chadley, 
uh, was moved to the right side to replace Munier, and he had a lot of the ball but didn't do a whole lot with it. Um, Lukaku didn't touch the ball very often. De Bruyne was surprisingly kind of anonymous. I mean, Hazard was really the only one that was making things happen. So why do you think Belgium was limp AF? <laughs> <laughs> I think you give a lot of the credit to France because we've just seen that this is a great defense um, throughout the tournament. But it was also, you, you can look at sort of the pass maps um, between the various players and so much of the ball went to Nasser Chadley. Like a crazy amount of the ball. And I think that is, <laughs> if you were going to tell Didier Deschamps that that's what Belgium's attack was going to be, just forcing the ball to one, the guy who couldn't break into Belgium's starting lineup until the last game, and two, the guy who played more minutes at the World Cup than he played for West Entire Brom. Entire club, <laughs> club season. And yeah. West Brom finished in last place in the Premier League. And Chadley attempted 11 crosses, completed one of them. So I think it was just. Belgium had a lot of the ball, over 60% possession, but most of the ball was going to the worst attacking player on the field for them. Yeah, maybe the, what if Martinez had put De Bruyne as right wing back? Maybe, because he'd seemed like he wasn't getting the ball enough. I don't know. What do you think, Micah? Do, how, why was KDB so anonymous today? I don't know. I mean, like, he was kind of starting off in the same false nine position he was playing in the last knockout game. Um, but kind of got bottled up early. I mean, I think that you have to place a lot of this on the fact that Paul Pogba was actually, like, immense this game. Um, yeah, let's talk about Pogba, because Pogba was doing a lot of Pogba things, like maybe things that might not be on the stat sheet, but defensive clearances, turning with the ball, and, and kind of skinning people and giving that first pass. Literally the first 15 minutes, putting a 40-yard ball with the outside of his foot on a dime for Mbappe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, he also just kind of bossing Dembele around, um, I mean, covering a lot of space. Uh, he was, well, you know, like, not to pull from, you know, the, the usual lines of punditry that you would normally hear, but he looked like he was worth being, you know, like, breaking the world transfer record today. Mm -hmm. Not that he doesn't all the time, in my estimation, but, you know, especially today. I think you also got to give credit to Conte. Like, Conte, yeah. Like having Always. Conte, who might be the best defensive midfielder in the world, and then having Pogba like decide to be a world class defensive midfielder for a game, <laughs> like that. That I think that I mean because they're those are, those guys are in the space where De Bruyne, you know, typically likes to pick up the ball and do his mm -hmm. damage, and they mm -hmm. just kind of, I mean, they're just they're incredible, both of them. Ryan, you've criticized, all criticized. French manager Didier Deschamps for his pragmatism over the course of this World Cup. But today, would you concede that he got it right? He was forced. <laughs> he was forced into playing his best lineup in the like for the last fifteen minutes of the game because of an injury. <laughs> One thing that kept striking me in this is that France kept finding these through balls down the left side, and they were finding that player in a lot of sp in dangerous positions, but it turned out that that player was Blaise Matuidi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think there were still some kind of inefficiencies that I saw, but I mean, it, you can't. It, the defense is just so good, and that's what's got them here. So it's... We're, we're probably yeah. just never going to see the France team that we want to see, but they continue to win. So. Also, like, it's international soccer, and I think we've, at least I've definitely realized at this point, like, 
there are always going to be things to criticize. <laughs> so I'm just going to... Was Matuidi concussed there at the end, apparently, right? And, and I saw people on Twitter talking about how he should never have continued playing. Did it seem to you guys something like an, an oversight having him continue playing when, when he took contact to the head? Or did you think it was maybe just him kind of milking it because it was like the 85th minute? I think he like missed his mouth with his water bottle at one point, and then yeah, there was also that slow motion replay that everybody screen capped on Twitter, where his eyes were just wa- like it. It looked like nobody was home. Yeah, it also. I mean, it was also he asked to be taken off, um, which I mean, we have enough evidence at this point to know that soccer teams are just horrifically bad at dealing with concussions. Um, we have that guy most in professional who, sports. Yeah, teams. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I th- I think, you know, it, were this an American sport, I think Matt Tweedy would just already be ruled out for the final. Um, right. But it's soccer, so he'll probably be on the field. We should save a word here for Mbappe. He was, from the f- literally the first minute when he skinned Jan Vertonghen, he was just, he didn't score, but he was kind of omnipresent and really showed I mean, amazing talent for a 19-year-old. Would you guys agree? I mean, yes. And if Giroud had his finishing boots on, he would have had some assists. As I well. was, I would just want to fight Giroud if I was Mbappe. <laughs> All the times that he set him up. I mean, there was also uh, the one-touch full volley back across the box, like mm-hmm. in the in the first twenty-five or so minutes. I mean, and I was saying like when the team sheets came out, and it looked like like Martinez was going to do that thing where he, uh, where they defend kind of like as a 4-3-3, but then shift to a 3-4-3 and attack, and that Vertonghen was going to be just playing on the left and like marooned out there with Mbappe, and it was going to be a problem. Dembele did kind of come back to help out, but Mbappe was by and large doing whatever he felt like. Yeah, I was... um, He attempted 15 take-ons, which is a crazy amount for a game. A game, especially when when your team has like 30% possession, which (laughs) meant that every time they had the ball... He was dribbling people, but he also had, like, you know, you you have, the I think, the sort of general take on Mbappe is how fast he is and how good he is in open space, but he had so many touches in tight spaces this game that yeah. created chances for teammates that were just incredible. I mean, the guy he, the guy is going to be the best player in the world. In the world. Something bad <laughs> And happens. it was, like, the 94th minute. I mean, I think he got carded, actually, for time-wasting on this play, but he was just still skipping around and skinning people yep. at the very, very end of the game. So it's to be 19 again. Exactly. I I guess we'll know. You know, we'll obviously know tomorrow who France is going to play. But I guess if you were Roberto Martinez, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Or maybe a better way to phrase it, since Belgium is out now and they have, we can't rewind time. Like, how do you beat France? Hmm. It's a good question. Or are France just going to win the World Cup? I mean, I think they are, but I think I. I, you just you don't want to rely on crossing as much as they did. I mean, you never do, but against Ferran, Umtiti, and then the fullbacks are center backs, and then Pogba is a absolute beast in the air too. That is just not really to me a way to break France down. But at the same time, then it's like so yeah, are really you gonna, passing through. Are that you going to pass through Conte and Pogba? Yeah. That's not going to happen. Um, I mean, I just the whole thing of. Having Chadley as one of your fullbacks and Vertonghen as your other fullback is a very lopsided way of going about it. I I mean, I don't know who I would have brought, but it's just a weird... 
for a team to not have any fullbacks really on their roster other than Thomas Mounier to then play with two fullbacks all of a sudden in the semifinals of the World Cup is kind of an odd thing to me. So I think maybe you want to just come into this with a better sort of array of players in your squad so you can kind of deal with that flexibility. But, um, I mean, it's... Yet to be fair, France only scored one goal off a set piece. Yeah, so. that's true. But also, like, if but how many we were making France jokes about 19. the fact that Giroud is the tip of your spear, which is... France had 19 uh, goal shots. Expected goals was like 1.9 to 0.3, which is France's, like, by far their most dominant performance of the World Cup so far. I think, I think it was, like, late in the first half that Giroud pulled up limp. And I know you guys were hoping for him to... <laughs> <laughs> no comment. To replace <laughs> no, no comment. I mean, I th- what I would say with Belgium is maybe you want... You want to f- you want to f- get Dembele and De Bruyne playing in central midfield together, and maybe playing Hazard off Lukaku's shoulder and try to counter a little more. But I don't know if you can counter against France because they're not gonna. It's hard they're to draw coming, them out yeah. of their shell because they can just get the ball to Mbappe and attack through him. Um, so as we say goodbye to Belgium and their golden generation, you guys would say that they had a successful World Cup, right? Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, yeah, and they're still young, and we sh- we'll be seeing them in 2020 and 2022. 2020, I think 2022, a lot of the guys I think are going to be aged out or like in their 30s at that point. So, I mean, this this was their best chance to win the World Cup. Yeah, we're going to take a break right here and have a word from our sponsor. We'll be back with some news and preview Croatia England. Hey guys, before we get back to Ringer FC, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Beliza. Celebrate July 4th with a premium foam mattress designed, assembled, and manufactured in the USA. Beliza leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. Beliza's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. That's more than 26,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to leave the world better than they found it, but it doesn't stop with mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell, and they're committed to planting one million trees by 2025. I've got a Lisa. It's the best mattress I've ever had. I cannot recommend it enough. So hurry, because the July 4th Lisa mattress sale will not last long. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash FC today. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash FC for $160 off. Lisa, a better place to sleep. Okay, we're back. Big news, huge news. Transfer news. A La Liga legend going overseas. Of course, I'm talking about Fernando Torres. (laughs) El Nino. We heard that he was going to go to the Chicago Fire. That was the rumor yesterday. He's actually going to the J-League, Japan. Sagan Tosu, currently in 17th place. Did you guys know that the J-League is actually ongoing right now? They're already in their season? It's very MLS of them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm just joking. The biggest transfer news of the day, obviously, we talked about it at the top, Cristiano Ronaldo, the best player in the world, officially to Juventus. I keep hearing different fees, but... Ryan, what is it, 99.2 million pounds, 105 million euros, something? In the vicinity of 100 million something. In the vicinity of 100 million. 88.3 million pounds is what I saw reported. But 
these fees are always incorrect. So yeah, in the Ronaldo, of course, way to describe it. Ronaldo, of course, thirty-three years old. I think he signed a five-year deal with Juventus. Um, he's going to make thirty million euros a year. He leaves after nine years at Real Madrid. Four hundred and fifty-one goals in four hundred and thirty-eight games. It's fucking amazing. Top scorer of the club history. Four Champions Leagues, two La Liga titles. Ryan, you wrote about this on the site today. What do you make of the Ronaldo to Juve move? And what does it portend for I think, world soccer? I think it's, uh, one, the the craziest thing about this to me is that Real Madrid made a profit on Ronaldo. <laughs> 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 Truly insane. Just by they buy- flipped him. Yeah, feeder club. Exactly. Feeder club. Um, but I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was... It's actually a really good situation for both clubs. Um, I think there's a way to look at it from Juventus's perspective and be like, from the Juventus perspective and be like, all right, like this guy's going to eventually stop scoring this many goals. He's 33. What are you doing? Spending all of this money on someone who, based on the sort of traditional uh, effects of human aging, will get worse <laughs> over time. Based upon evolutionary theory. Um, but... I talked to uh, someone who works in represents players in Europe, and he said that he thinks that the marketing revenue that Ronaldo will bring in is essentially going to vault Juventus into the top five or six teams in the world over Liverpool, over Chelsea, over Arsenal in terms of revenue and just make them one of the five or six richest teams in the world as, as opposed to being just number 10. So if you're getting, you know, the other thing is, Ronaldo scored 26 goals last year, way lower than his career high. Juventus hasn't had a 26-goal scorer in at least 20 years in Serie A. <laughs> so even with Ronaldo being you know, older, he's going to make them better in the short term, and all of the money that he's going to bring in is going to allow them to also build for the long term. So it's kind of the perfect thing for Juventus. I think for Ronaldo, it's Serie A is kind of the... I would say the least strenuous physically of La Liga, um, really Premier League and uh, Bundesliga, just because of the style of play. And I think Juventus right. is just so much better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So there's no Atletico Madrid game slash Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona game on the schedule every year. So I think for him, it's almost like coast through Serie A, still get to play in the Champions League. That's you know that's what Ronaldo wants. wants. (laughs) In addition to adoration and money. Exactly. And Micah's theory of the clapping after the bicycle (laughs) kick convincing him to come is uh, proven correct. But for Real, like, it's crazy that they made a profit on a guy that they bought when he was 24 and sold when he was 33. Um, And I always pictured the, tell me if you guys disagree, I always pictured the Ronaldo exit from Real Madrid being extremely messy. Like yep. them bringing in a no guy, pun intended. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Bringing in like another upstart who would kind of take the sh- shine from Ronaldo, and Ronaldo being unhappy about it. Then Ronaldo having to play less and not having any idea how to just not be consistently in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Instead, like we heard this news two weeks ago, and then it just happened. Just happened, and now Real Madrid has an extra hundred million in addition to them being the second richest club in the world. They haven't really splashed out for anyone since James. Um, 
they've been doing a lot of kind of like $25 million deals on younger players since then. Including Tony Cruz, which they bought yeah, for beans. Exactly. I look back, Tony Cruz was 22 million pounds, which is just insane. But Real Madrid is going to buy a superstar now. Who that is, I have no idea. But once Real Madrid does that, then the same situation is created at that club. There's going to be a hole in that team's hierarchy and they're going to need to fill it and they're going to have a ton of money to do it and then that they're going to take someone else's star and it's just going to there's the going to be a huge, a, a huge domino about. effect across European soccer yeah what chance do you think Juan Cuadrado has of keeping the number seven hmm <laughs> 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 uh, I would say negative 15%. Yeah, there's a better <laughs> chance that Messi goes to Real Madrid. <laughs> you know, he's not taking Benzema with him. And, you know, Benzema creates so many goals for him. Do you think, do you foresee him being as productive? It's also notoriously difficult to score goals in Syria. Well, he's also going to be playing with Dybala now. Well, yeah. we'll see. If Dybala can play with yeah, him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Juventus is going to have to sell someone. Sell people yeah. to uh, deal with it. But you would think... Yeah, Higuain is gone, I'm sure. You would think... I mean, Higuain is not kind of the back backboard that Benzema is, so you would think Higuain will be gone. Yeah. Although, I don't. Yeah. I wonder how much he'll go for because he's older. Um, I think you'll probably see a dip in Ronaldo's production just because players in Serie A don't, don't score as much. And um, Juventus doesn't have... Gareth Bale, Isco, Benzema, uh, Marcos Asensio, Lucas Vasquez, Tony Cruz, and Luka Modric on the team. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I still, I mean, I would bet on him to be the top scorer in Serie A, like, with, in a heartbeat. So I think the Douglas Costa-Cristiano Ronaldo combo could be intriguing. Mm. I'm into that. I'm also into the and, possibility of Ronaldo uh, yelling at of him. Of a huge shooting. fallout, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, for American fans or fans in America... Which I assume is the majority of you. Uh, Juventus is participating in the ICC, which is the annual Europe Money Clubs Come to America and Cake Out Tour. Uh, and <laughs> Juventus is actually playing in the MLS All-Star Game in Atlanta. I believe it's August the 1st. And then they have a friendly against who? Real Madrid, August 4th at FedEx Field, where the Redskins play. So... There's no word whether whether CR7... Your boy Dan Snyder. <laughs> winning out. He's the real winner. Real Madrid played in this last year in the ICC, and Ronaldo didn't play any of the games. But with a new team, maybe he wants to get acclimated early. His debut could be in America. They got to play him in this be, for like they five have minutes, to. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is about the, the International Championship Cup is about... Like Marketing. drumming up American interest. Yeah. You yeah. have to let him play. Anyway, speaking of who might replace Ronaldo, Eden Hazard, who we just saw running all around St. Petersburg, has been making eyes at Real Madrid. Of course, he plays for Chelsea, but he said, this is his quote, I think Real is everyone's dream. <laughs> I mean, just, like those... love to hear like taffed up players talking about like it's my dream to play at this club it That's is great. since I was a child he said uh, Zidane or no Zidane obviously Zidane is no longer the manager at Real Madrid and he's a hero of Hazard so he said Zidane or no Zidane the white jersey is special but the blue jersey suits me well so it does not bother me if I stay <laughs> Chelsea fans are like thanks it doesn't bother you it doesn't bother <laughs> you yeah. have to stay but of course you know Chelsea has right now this kind of dead man walking Conte man managerial situation it seems very unstable and Hazard his, everyone's dream is to play at Real Madrid do you guys think they would be interested in him and do you think that'd be a good move for the club he gone for 
I mean, we don't even know, like, if Roman Abramovich has any money that he can use, like, <laughs> in Great Britain right now. So I think if an offer comes in, that's there's that's not that. going to be much negotiating. Yeah. Um, what do you guys Is Chelsea think? on the verge of implosion? It kind of seems like that. We, I mean, it almost they seem does. to be on the verge of implosion, like, every two years, so. but That's true, but. But the thing is that, Last like now, it's supposed to be the implosion, and they should—they're supposed to win again this year, based on the, the every year right. theory. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just—I'm just thinking about like all the times that Hazard's talked about, like the one season that like Chelsea was playing in the Europa League, and he was just like, "I'm so ready to be back in Champions League football." And then what happened happened, and now I mean, like he's been linked with Real Madrid for forever, and now the right. only kind of stopper is out of the way. Do you guys right. think that it? I think Hazard's great, but I mean, I think he's great, as we saw at the World Cup, he's great at beating defenders off the dribble, dribble, moving the ball upfield. He's not a goal scorer at all. Right. So yeah. it's like... Yeah, they know, would still need like a Lewandowski or, I don't know, somebody up the middle. Yeah, or like you just Mbappe. give the keys to Gareth Bale and hope he doesn't get injured, which I, I have a real hard time seeing them doing that. I mean, yeah. to me, it's like I wrote this in my piece to much to... My own chagrin, it seems like Salah or Harry Kane are kind of the two obvious young, marketable, goal-scoring machines who you would go after. Well, Salah just re-upped. Not that that means anything. but Just, he just ups, his, ups his transfer yeah, fee, basically. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just can't see Harry Kane, especially if England make it to the final or even win the World Cup, going to Spain. Yeah. I th- he's he wants out on Shearer's record. I I don't think that Harry Kane yeah, is leaving a perfect about. situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We say he only cares about goals. He only cares about goals scored in the Premier League and for England. <laughs> Nothing else matters <laughs> to him. Other transfer news in La Liga: Barcelona have made a signing. His name is Arthur Enrique Ramos de Oliveira Melo, aka Arthur from Gremio. Forty million euros. He's twenty-one, five foot eight. Holding midfielder, apparently a tidy passer. I know nothing about him, really, other than he looks older than 21. Um, uh, so Barca added a holding midfielder. Uh, Busquets is Coming? getting old. Iniesta's gone. Sure, you know. I've, I ha- I personally know nothing about this guy from Grimio, but... I haven't seen him play much. I know that uh, Tim Vickery, who's kind of the expert on all things Brazil for the BBC, mm-hmm. thinks highly of him, and... Sometimes it's just like the guy's 21. I, I can applaud you signing a young player. Yeah. Like it, it, it makes sense. Um, especially, like Mega said, with Busquets, it's going to have to start getting phased out at some point or at least getting some rest. Um, yeah. And they don't really have anyone to replace him. So, Did you guys ever fancy in your respective soccer playing careers just going by one name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Just Ryan. <laughs> Ryan with like a Portuguese accent on the R, <laughs> whatever that would be. Micah with some umlaut somewhere. <laughs> I think when I was like, "What's up, guys? I'm champ now." Yeah. When I was six, I was like, "Why can't I just go by one name?" I think maybe I had because what in like intramural soccer before travel started, you could get whatever number on your jersey and any name. I think I had Ryan on the back actually when I was like eight. <laughs> And Premier League, I don't know how credible this is, but it's from a a blue check reporter. So Fulham have reportedly (laughs) completed the transfer of Nice midfielder Jean-Michael Sarri, who everybody seems to want. He's been rumored to go to Chelsea, Dortmund, Arsenal. I also saw a contradicting report 
after that saying that Suri wants no parts of Fulham. But uh, would it be kind of crazy if Fulham got this guy that everybody's been kind of fiending for for the last two summers? I mean, going from nearly being that F- Arthur 40 million signing last summer <laughs> yeah. for Barcelona to playing for a newly promoted Premier League team would be quite the drop. I, Craven Cottage. I'm going to believe this once I see him in the jersey. I know I said that about Ronaldo, so I guess that means that it's going to happen. But, I mean, it would be a, a great signing for Fulham. He's, it you know, really he's would be. good age and just of every team presumably has tried to get him. They've, I mean, he'd be a good player to build on. I mean, you picture his agent calling him and saying, like, <laughs> you're going John, to London. John, John's <laughs> like, yeah, full, uh, is it Chelsea? Arsenal? He's like, Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Nigel De Jong has joined Qatari top flight club Al Ali. So, Qatari top flight players. He's still drinks. playing. I didn't even know he was. <laughs> 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 All right, let's, pre- let's preview tomorrow's. Croatia England semifinal. Guys, I've been down on England and rooting against them, actively rooting against them this entire World Cup, but I've I've finally I finally succumbed to the it's coming home fever. And I honestly I cannot see a way that Croatia can defeat England. Seriously. What Why do you guys is that? Think? I just think I I wish I could give you some you know great statistic, stat stat based supporting argument here. I just feel like they're just destined to make it to the final. <laughs> How can you argue against that? That's I, mean, like, I, that that's, I, can't. I can't argue against <laughs> destiny. I cannot argue against metaphysical forces. What do you guys think? What do you guys make of the match? Is Chris Ryan going to be happy or sad? I just can't get over the fact that, like, again, Croatia has been taken to penalties twice in the knockout stages, once by Russia, and England just had a very business-like 2-0 win over Sweden. And I mean, like, it it just seems like... So you think the fatigue fatigue factor for Croatia? The fatigue factor and also the fact that England kind of play this style where they have been kind of stopping opposition attacks like on the the half of, like, the center circle. Yeah. um, Which is going to be difficult for Croatia to break with their plan of attack, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I mean... I don't know. I I just see this being another game where England scores two set pieces and they're on to the final. Yeah, I I think the 220-minute game thing says two things for me. One, that maybe Croatia's just, like, not that good because they needed penalties to get past Denmark and Russia. Um, And then also, Croatia is an older team. A lot of guys heading toward the wrong side of 30 are already there. Um, and England's not. England's all guys that are like 23, 24. And so having a fresh England team who performed really well against Sweden versus a gassed Croatia team who struggled to get past Russia, I know that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but it seems like that it's kind of that easy. And also we just, I mean, at least I've been talking about this since the World Cup started. Um, Croatia, Croatia crosses the ball a ton. But England is, they've got Harry Mags back there. (laughs) Slabhead. Exactly. Um, Uh, One key matchup, Harry Kane, Dejan Lovren. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Nightmares, nightmares. (laughs) Everybody remembers uh, in October when Spurs played Liverpool. I know uh, Ryan remembers this. Lovren was subbed off at like the 31st minute. 
Oh man! After just, being I, on the wrong end of two Harry Kane goals, I still remember that my one of my favorite commentator sound bites from the season was during that game. It's just like you need to pull Lovren off of there. It looks like he's in the twilight zone. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't watch that game. <laughs> that's that's in the past, guys. It's, it's extremely in the past. Now I want you to keep talking through it. <laughs> Let no, that hurt go. I mean, that's that's. Lavern has shown his competency um, in the ensuing months, but um, I mean, I'm betting on Harry Kane. Uh, didn't over you say Lovren. he was one of the best? You said he was one of the best defenders at this World Cup so far. I think I remember hearing you say that. I think he's been great, but yeah. the whole Lavern thing is he grades out as above average because he's great and then he's terrible occasionally <laughs> as opposed to just being above average the whole time yeah. which is not what you want really as a, <laughs> as a center back but so i guess maybe i'm talking myself into another nightmare <laughs> for my boy and if it's not lovren it's a depleted tired backline i that guy vita <laughs> the glory to Ukraine guy. Love that guy for supporting Ukraine and drinking a beer on the bus uh, one of his team's recent games and getting suspended for like half a season. <laughs> um, Love his but, undercut ponytail. But he's also not Virgil van Dyke. Um, so Harry Kane against those two, plus Raheem Sterling, plus Deli Ali. I guess that's a little scary the more I think about it. I mean, like, there's... <sighs> I don't know. I still feel like it's crazy to say this, but we're in the semifinals and it still feels like England's backline hasn't been tested at all. Like, neither Kieran Trippier or Kyle Walker has had to actually do that much defensive work. Yeah. I guess it would be interesting to see what happens with Mandzukic down the left. Yeah. Uh, actually making him have to play defense. But outside of that, I don't, I don't really know where. I don't really know where the goals are going to come from. I mean, it's got it's got to be the midfield is where Croatia yeah. turns us in their favor, right? It Hen has to be Hendo <laughs> versus Rakitic and Modric. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's the question that's been, and we've talked about it ad nauseum and written about it on our site that how to get the best out of Modric and Rakitic, where how deep they should play because you know when they come back very deep to pick up the ball, obviously it kind of negates their contributions on offense. Yeah, and it's and they just they still get the ball wide because um, they play with two wingers, and if you're gonna have wingers out there, there's no point in having them out there if you're not gonna pass to them. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I th I think there's a world where they just they don't have to play Perisic and Rebic at the same time. They can play like Brozovic or Kovacic in the middle with those two, and then put Kramaric in there with Mandzukic and just have one of Perisic and Rebic out there. And that just forces you to kind of play through the middle more. But I, they're There's not no going to do that. There's right? no way. They're yeah, they're not going to yeah. just suddenly change. Micah has a good point, though, in that England haven't... When have England really been under duress in this tournament? I've, I, I can think of extra time against Colombia. There was a stretch. And maybe like a, a five to ten minute stretch against Sweden, but they were already up to no. So you haven't really seen them put under pressure and I'm very interested to see a team put them under pressure and hopefully Croatia can do that with their wings maybe maybe I like, I just wouldn't like, there'll, be a, there'll be a couple chances in this game for Croatia I think more so than there were for Sweden more so than there were for Colombia mainly because Colombia didn't really attempt to attack other than that brief 15 minute stretch um, but 
that's the benefit of being on this side of the draw. Like, <laughs> you're England and you're favored in every game somehow. One matchup, I think, to highlight is on the right side for England, Trippier, the Barry Beckham, and Sterling, who should be on that side a lot, versus the Croatian left back, Ivan Strinic, who I hear is not very well-regarded <laughs> among Croatian supporters. And you can see why against Russia, because Mario Fernandez was kind of having his way. And I think Trippier is better than Fernandez. So he's also created 13 chances at the World Cup more than any other defender at the tournament. And he's on Spurs. This is the problem for me with England. I can't. It's, there's so many fucking Spurs. But how do you guys? <laughs> does it just hurt you your heart that Welbeck is the only Arsenal player left in the tournament? It it does. It does. Actually, you know what? I I bought. I just bought an England shirt. I I, I must confess. I kind of like fed into. I've been. Yeah, I bought into the hype, and I, I have shirts for you all the literally other semi, bought into the semifinalists. Hype. So I was gonna buy a Welbeck, but it just felt so pathetic to buy a Welbeck shirt. <laughs> Yep. Considering he's played like five minutes, so guess yeah. who I went with? I went. I literally went down the squad, and I was like, "Can't get him." Nope, nope, nope. I bought fucking Loftus Cheek. I like. That. I like that. I like that. You like that? It's I think like it's a, a solid choice. <laughs> Name on back. Do you Pay guys extra for, add, for all those letters? Yeah. <laughs> as, Maybe as hyphenated names cost double. As Liverpool and United fans, respectively, do you have a hard time rooting for England, or do you care? Does it matter? No, because I mean, like I've while I, mean, you got I am Hendo a, Ryan and you got who do you have? Phil Jones, Lingard, <laughs> <laughs> part, part of the issue. oh Rashford. No, Pogba's got- still playing. I'm okay, um, but I mean, like also, I just I don't know. I just like the fact that this team is. You've seen like a bunch of Rio Ferdinand talking about how his England teams would suffer because of their club allegiances getting in the way of them playing together as a team for England, and then. Like this team is just really young, and Deli Ali and and Jesse Lingard and Raheem Sterling playing around in ice baths and doing Fortnite celebrations together. I just like it. They're just a fun team to to watch, like just be together. I guess. Yeah. The lack of whatever way to put it. It's lacking that like impending feeling of doom that the all the other England teams played under. For me, I I don't really care. I think I'm. I'm just kind of that enlightened human being and able to separate his club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's two pods in a row. But you've done all, the certain level of intelligence thing. And I'm going to keep doing it. The other thing is like Everton sucks and they're just barely a rival for Liverpool now. And it's fun watching Pickford have like rosy cheeks and be kind of, kind of thick and chubby <laughs> and acrobatic. He, yeah. He kind of looks like a beer league keeper. I got to say. He's the best beer league keeper yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, the most <laughs> agile beer league keeper ever. All right, let's get into predictions. First of all, I should also mention England is going to be wearing white on white on white, the Real Madrid look tomorrow. And Croatia is going to wear their away kit again. Croatia have only worn their red classic checkerboard kit once, the first match of the tournament. I don't know if. I don't, I don't know how much I'm that matters. I'm the only matters. one that cares about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you're the only one that cares about that because I think the away jerseys are actually way more fire. The away jerseys are fire. I but, do like the away. Yeah. But the checkerboard, you got to see it at least. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll see it in the final. Probably not. Uh, you could if it's against France because France will be wearing blue. Anyway, it might be in, predictions. in the third place match. You don't know yet. True that. All right. So what if it's England-Belgium third place match? All right. So. Two, I'm gonna get my two meaningless games between England and Belgium. That would be kind of funny. <laughs> I'm saying 3-0 to England. Whoa. Whoa. 
This is where the, the <laughs> this is where the top gets popped off the whole campaign and people go really nuts because they're gonna just play their hearts out and yeah. That's my prediction. Three nil England. I think Ra- that, that we're gonna see uh especially since England's wearing all white and we'll see Harry Maguire in the his future Real Madrid uniform. <laughs> in <the set> <laughs> uh, I think it's 2-0. One of the goals probably comes on a set piece. Um, to England, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Like uh, Croatia. No. I, well, I you think it's like... I, 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 no, I kind of want to... I kind of want to say that it'll be like another one of those. I think Croatia goes another 130 minutes and Rakitic <laughs> scores the final PK. But no, I think it'll be England 2-1 and one of either Modric or Rakitic scores the lone goal for Croatia from outside the box. I like, because I I like, like the specificity of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks as always. Thanks, Downey. Thank you. Tomorrow we'll be back to recap that England-Croatia semifinal and preview. We're finally at the end here. Damn, so came so quickly. So sad. What am I we'll going to be previewing do? Sunday's final. And tomorrow we're going to have our World Cup superlatives. So stay tuned for that. See you tomorrow. Peace. Today's episode of Ringer FC was brought to you by Lisa. Celebrate July 4th with a premium foam mattress designed, assembled, and manufactured in the USA. Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to design the perfect mattress. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. So hurry up. The July 4th Lisa mattress sale will not last long. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash FC today. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash FC for $160 off.